In today's episode, Richard Blank shares a fascinating clinic about something I've never heard of called micro-expression reading. Imagine every single sales conversation that you've ever had is actually broken into 30-second to 2-minute increments that each have an intro, body, and conclusion. You are not going to want to miss this. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. The three best investments you can ever make are in yourself, in your network, and in your community. Anthony Vicino. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, just a really great bunch of human beings looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Today's guest is really special uh, because it's actually a gentleman that has been following this podcast for a while. Uh, a lot of my guests have had previous relationships with me. We're in masterminds or something like that. And Richard and I just met. He said, you know what? You're a cool guy. I want to come on your podcast and talk about how we get stuff done. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's pretty awesome. So Richard's journey in the call center space is filled with a bunch of twists and turns, and I can't wait to get into this. He moved to Costa Rica when he was 27 years old to train over 5,000 employees for one of the larger call centers in San Jose, which is the capital. And so he has a ton of experience in public speaking, uh, and he has trained over 10,000 telemarketers. So you're in for a real treat here. Can't wait to get in here and share what he has to learn. And, and Richard, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Well, first, I want to thank you so much for having me on today. It's nice to see everybody and to spend some time with you. And I guess the number one thing for me was dedicated practice. A lot of the times you don't see what's going on off camera or the training it takes in order to be a champion. So someone is always practicing a guitar or practicing their speech or practicing their painting. And then when it comes down to it, they are more than prepared for their presentation. So it's an individual effort. Each person knows how to spend time with themselves and structure their time. And so I think if they have that sort of structure and discipline and that sort of uh, routine, then they should be able to be more than prepared for any sort of goal that they try to achieve. It's that behind the scenes work. It's of all of the things that the musician does before he gets on the stage that make him being on the stage even possible. You make it look easy, Josh. I mean, look at this right now, but they have no idea how much work entails in building a business and writing a book and creating a podcast in this large community that you have there. It, it takes time. And so the fact that you make it look easy is great. It's very inviting. You know, it's, it's something that's non-threatening. But I think when people go into the kitchen and lift up the hood and they realize the complexity to it, most of them don't have the sort of endurance to be able to handle the distance. They might not have the maturity to do it or nobody really told them how to begin. And so a lot of the times you have to start on your own or you have to be humble enough to ask people questions 
on how to begin or the certain steps that you need in order to accomplish your goals. It reminds me of uh, there's there's a gentleman named Mike Claudio, uh, who's a, a very well-known coach kind of in the circles that I run in. And he was giving me a piece of advice one time. I, I had launched a a beta program for something. And, uh, and I actually, he has a charity called a champion's shoes. And I actually donated all of the proceeds of this launch to his charity. And he was like, yeah, that's cool, man. And I said, well, look, just get in there give me some feedback. I'm just trying to create some exposure, uh, for this thing that I'm doing. And about halfway through, I bumped into him at lunch and, and he says, look, man, it's going great. You know, make this change, make that change, but it doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters is that you don't quit. Whatever you do, just don't quit. Because all of the people out there that have failed of something, it's because they've quit. If you just keep going, it'll work out fine. Uh, And speaking of, you mentioned the podcast thing. Um, We're somewhere very close. uh, This this episode is going to come out somewhere close to about the 50 mark. So we launched in February of 2022. We're somewhere around 50 episodes at this point. Uh, but I actually did a podcast before for four years called How to Lose Money with Paul Moore. We did 238 episodes. All right. And and my very first one was horrible. And my second one, horrific. My 10th one, not very good. You know, and the the thing that got me good at that was I didn't quit. The thing that got me good at interviewing people was more interviews with people that mm-hmm. that practiced off the stage. That's really what it is. I'm not skilled or talented. I'm just battle tested. I believe that your first couple podcasts, you were exceptionally raw. And I'd love to hear certain areas where you could see yourself shine. Look at some of the actors before they came super famous, like John Travolta and Welcome Back Cotter. You could tell he was a star. Or your favorite band when you saw them play before they played Wembley Stadium. You could tell they had talent. So anytime you see someone's debut album or their first podcast, to me, that's gold. A, you showed enough guts to go for it. B, you believe in yourself to share it with the world. And C, you say it was terrible. I bet you it was probably one of the best performances that you have ever done because you weren't commercialized. You weren't polished. You didn't have 200 under your belt. It was just somebody that was just going for it, like a college player before they go pro. So for me, if I were going to analyze anything, Josh, I would love to see the first half a dozen podcasts you did just to see the difference. But then to see my friend, the genesis of where you began, it's going to be very interesting to see how far you've come. And just to kind of close out this particular topic, just it's it's fascinating. I, I love that you brought this up and it's near and dear to my heart because it it really speaks to the number one reason why people struggle is because they think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Those guys have got it figured out and all that stuff. And, and really, you nailed it by talking about it's what the musician does when he's not on the stage. Um, and What about your family and friends, though, Josh? These are the ones that love you the most, and they could be your biggest naysayers and great believers. They love you. They're protecting you. They don't want you hurt. But then again, if they tell you never to go on a roller coaster, you never know what it's like. Right. And yeah, they got to push you. Fun. You should say, go, 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 because in this world, it's very competitive. Yep. And yeah, it's difficult to write a book and do what you do, but you did it. But it all, it all has to do with showing up. And, I'll, and I'll, give you, I'll give you two examples from two really 
successful guys that I look up to. Uh, one of them is John Lee Dumas, who has, uh, I don't know if it still is, but at one point had the number one podcast in the world, at least for business, called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And in one particular episode, uh, he asked the question, which actually was the inspiration for the question I asked, is tell me something you believe is the key to success that most people don't think of. And so I just modified it for my own kind of use, right? But uh, one to guess, and I cannot remember his name, uh, but he said, quantity is better than quality. And, and, I, and I sat on that. I'm like, hmm, what, what's he going to say about this? And he said, you know, sometimes the fact that you just show up and do the work is better than doing good work. Because the amount of work you do eventually will overcome somebody that's not doing much work, but it's really good. And then JLD responded and he said, you know what? I agree with you. The only reason that I'm sitting on the other side of this chair talking into this microphone is because when I started doing podcasts, I knew I wasn't going to be the best podcast interviewer ever. I knew I wasn't going to be the best this or that. But what I did know I had control of is I could show up every single day and I'm going to release a podcast every single day and I'm always going to be there. And that consistency is what ultimately started paying off for him. And I'll give you one more. Please. Uh, I'll give you one more. So I was in a mastermind group called the eight figure boardroom uh, that's run by Cole Gordon. And recently one of his guest speakers was Todd Herman, who is the author of a book called the alter ego effect, uh, which is a fantastic book. Uh, By the way, uh, Todd, if you are listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. But uh, one of the things that he shared in this kind of offshoot session, there were like six people standing around him just because he just, he's a giver. He gives and he gives and he gives. And he, he built his name as a kind of a mindset coach for athletes, uh, student athletes, like high level elite athletes. And uh, they did all of this, these surveys and they would ask all of these questions so that they could understand their audience better. And one of the questions that they asked was, why did you keep playing this sport for so long? We're talking about like kids between eight and 18 years old that are playing whatever sport at the highest possible level. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were asking these questions. Why did you play the sport this long? And they were overwhelmed with the response that they got. And the response that they got almost like, I don't know, it was some ridiculous 80 to 90% of them kept playing the sport long past the fact that they were not interested. They didn't want to do it anymore. They were bored. They hated it, but they kept going because They wanted that windshield time with mom or dad and whoever was taking them to practice. They wanted that consistent, I need that that bonding time and I need that quantity of bonding time with my parental figure while we're going to practice and coming from practice. And that was the number one reason by a shitload, Richard, why they kept playing the sport. Because as a parent, that parent was putting in the quantity. Didn't matter if it was if they were mad or like they had a bad day at work. What mattered was that they were there a lot, all the time. I respect that big time. That's excellent parenting. In fact, these young men and women that get to that level, it bears the mark on excellent parenting and guidance and how they raise them. So I couldn't agree with you more. That's wonderful. Those are three excellent examples. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And so, so Richard, back to, uh, I, I love that you opened up with that, man. We could, 
dude, we could talk for, if this was a six hour podcast, maybe we'd be keep going, you know, take your but, time, Josh. I got nowhere to go. I'm on Costa Rica time right now. Yeah. Tico time. That's right. So I, I spent about a week in Costa Rica and, and I'm happy to tell that story a little bit, but how, how did you end up there? And how, did, how do you get to Costa Rica and train 10,000 telemarketers? I want to know about that. Well, the first thing is, if you can get past your parents' guilt, you could live anywhere in the world. So that's number one. Number two, when I was in high school, everyone that I knew was going to Ivy League and they were going to study medicine, law, architecture, or engineering. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that Spanish was one of my favorite classes, and I was encouraged to take that as a second language in college. So I went to the University of Arizona, and that was one of the best times of my entire life. And I majored in Spanish and communication, so at least I could get a job if I graduated. Little did I know that I had the certain skills that gave me unlimited earnings potential, gave me an internship with Telemundo. I got to work with Corona Beer prior to Costa Rica. And then at 27, a good friend of mine from college had a call center here, and he said, Richie, you want to come down and teach for a couple months and just have some fun? Well, two months turned into four years of working at that center. And uh, what I saw was the highs and lows of a call center. This is before predictive dialing and the Plantronic headsets. People were working off of Cisco phones and Excel sheets, but there was a certain magic to it. People weren't texting as much. And, you know, uh, Twitter wasn't around. This is in 2000. So you had these exceptional bilingual agents that were speaking advanced English and had this incredible vocabulary and grammar that were able to convert calls. And I just saw the passion in it there. But then on the flip side, I saw the robot and numbers that they felt like they were. They felt like they were expendable. The work is uh, it's very grinding. It's hard. It's monotonous at times. And so I saw the tough side of the call center. And when I realized after so many years that it could be done differently, like a sports coach or a teacher or just a loving environment, more nurture instead of nature that I threw my hat in the ring. And in 2008, I started my own center, one seat, 50 hours. And here we are today, 14 years later with 150 seats. So um, when I got here, I knew my opportunity. That barn door was very open and the horse was not coming back. I prepared for this my whole life. And there was nobody that could give me advice on this because none of my friends were expatriates, except those that were in the military and the Navy and the Marines. But to start a call center, you don't tell your mom you want to do that when you're 10. None of your friends can tell you what to do when you go abroad and start a company. So a lot of it was just faith in myself, taking the chance, knowing that if I didn't do this, I couldn't live with myself for the rest of my life because I don't like the what ifs. I would have rather failed big time than what ifs, whatevers. But I wasn't going to fail. When you're given a one in a million opportunity, you know as well as I do, my good friend, you will do whatever it takes in order to do this. Seven day a week, that's minimum. 40 hour work days, please, that's part time. You work 80 hours so you don't have to work 40 hours in the future. And all the people that say no means they don't K-N-O-W enough about what I'm doing. So unless you run a call center, unless you're bilingual, unless you've done a payroll for these kind of people, I'll take your advice and thank you and I love you. But relax. I think I know what I'm doing after all of this time. So, uh, Josh, a lot of it is just being true to yourself and staying on that course and knowing that when you're a young man or a young woman and you set yourself to do something in your life, 
you will continue to do it. And sometimes there's, as you say, twists and turns, but still you're in the same direction. And the direction is once again, being true to yourself so you can live a very fulfilled life. You only get a hundred years, my friend. So you might as well fill it well, and you can earn your living many different ways. So yeah. you might as well try to do it in a way that's ethical. It's in a way where you're giving instead of receiving. And if you can find some sort of fulfillment, then in my mind, I think you've won and you could possibly have the mindset to be able to do it for longer periods of time. Well, so let's dig into that a little bit. You, uh, you were working uh, with your friend's call center in Costa Rica and uh, you decided, you know what, I think I can do this better. And so you, you opened up, it's pretty ballsy, man. I'm going to open up a call center with one seat. (laughs) So tell me, tell me what, what was that? What was that first like week or month or whatever, like where you were, were you the seat or did you actually hire someone? It's an excellent question. I didn't have the resources yet to build out an entire center. So what I was doing was renting a seat. And for about $200 a month, I was getting a turnkey station at just a blended call center where you can just take as many seats as you want. They pay for the internet, the headset. You just don't have your private office. It's just a shared work area. Uh, Fortunately for me, I grew very fast. It was something that when you are running the show and you're responsible with the people, it's a little bit different. I always believe in foundation training first. Fear is a morbid anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. So when I onboard a brand new telemarketer or someone with the experience, A, the experienced ones, I got to get rid of bad habits because that's why they're with me right now. And the new ones are wonderful because I can mold them with some stuff. Learning a second language is 10 times harder than onboarding any brand new campaign. I have to ensure that the clients give me all of the resources. You need a full script. I need the rebuttals. I need the script. I also need quality assurance so I can follow along with these calls. Those that have never worked at a call center before, if you have a small company, you can definitely be able to maximize your time with your workforce by having a quality assurance or quality control sheet. We usually follow KPIs, which are key performance indicators, simple stuff by doing introductions and verifying information and concluding it. But there's also certain soft skills that you can be consistent when you're listening to the calls of your agents and coworkers in order to give certain coaching. So instead of trying to fix everything one time, you have a straight line approach to where you can see where somebody needs to have certain focus. But what I really like to do in my forte, Josh, and I appreciate you having me on today, I focus on micro-expression reading and conflict management. Since face-to-face communication, you can take advantage of the body and the facial expressions. On the phone, you're losing three of your senses. You can't taste, touch, or smell the client on the other side. I don't know that I want to taste them, but I get what you're saying. Understood. Well, you know, the scientists say that if you eliminate one or more senses and the other ones are expanded, and if you follow the master communicator, Helen Keller, Look how amazing she was in regards to her communication skills. So we expand our hearing, which is more active listening. But I also believe in seeing, which is image streaming. A book is better than a movie. So you can describe things much better than you would by showing a photograph. And by having this sort of control within every 30 seconds to two minutes, Josh, which is the normal attention span, These entry-level telemarketers or seasoned telemarketers or just people that are meeting on the street and friends can can control a certain conversation because in my opinion, people give tell signs. They really do. 
I'd like just to walk with you a couple quick steps on this and I'll move through it yeah. fast. Yeah. Well, give, but, yeah, give, give me an example. Like let's, let's set up a scenario that, you know, maybe most people here in this audience who are entrepreneurs and business owners walk us through an example of, of what they may run into. And, and it's, you're calling it just to make sure I understand correctly, micro expression. Yes, sir. Micro expression reading. Just like if you're micro expression someone, reading facial okay. expressions, body, the haptics, proxemics, self, object adapters, but that's face-to-face. We're doing things over the phone. I believe it's a pure form of communication because I think a phonetic is much better than what your actions are, which could be almost be like a mask. I can give you a simple scenario and throw everything in together. I believe that a simple conversation happens with an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. Okay, It could be done every 30 seconds to two minutes or in a 10-minute conversation. It comes in certain parts. The beginning of the phone call is the most important for me. Let's use an example, Josh, of people that are making outbound prospecting lead generation appointments that are even sales calls, business to business or potential business to consumer. Let's do business to business. A lot of times when people are making these phone calls, my suggestion is the first part of the call, they should be doing a company name spike by asking how the company is doing, not how you're doing. It's also before you even introduce yourself. It gives you a chance to utilize anonymity you get to say the name of their company better than they do it. Ask how the company is doing compared to how you're doing. So everyone's doing well, of course. How they answer you is the action to the reaction. So I can gauge their speaking levels in the company culture. And then this individual who may be the filter before I get transferred to the decision maker, that's the perfect time to do a positive escalation. When you get that individual's name and they've been very helpful with you, you should definitely mention them before you start pitching yourself when you get transferred. It's a definite gift when you get transferred. It also gives you the anonymity again to do the company name drop a second time. So this person gets relaxed and you move yourself forward in regards to a pace. So instead of saying, what are you selling? You're pretty much ahead. And I also believe once again, in micro expression reading, this is a phonetic tell sign. I believe there's four sections of phonetics, Josh. There's tone, rate, pitch, and duration. You need consistencies in order to see the inconsistencies with microexpression focus group readings. And so your tone of voice should always be confident and empathetic. That's consistent. The mirror imaging technique, which I know you're very familiar with in your audience, should be done during the speed and the speaking level. Now, just for so arguments, let's, let's break that down just so we don't get just so we don't get like way too into the granular and technical. Let's let's go back and let's make sure that we catch anybody that that needs to catch up on this. So sure. uh, what, what, uh, what Richard is talking about, for, for those of you who are in sales, especially phone sales, you probably are following along with a lot of this. Uh, but the idea here is anytime you want to control a call, control the conversation. And, and if, you're on, if you're in phone sales, uh, these are all techniques and strategies for you to be ultimately in control of the call or the outcome of the call. That's where you need to be. That's uh, and uh, one of those is uh, the way it's been explained to me, and I think this is where you're going, is called match and mirror, pace and lead. And so the the idea, the way this was actually explained to me by my very first sales trainer, Nate Brooks, amazing dude. If you guys know him, he's retired now. Go go find him. He's in North Carolina playing tennis somewhere. Um, and the way he explained it to me was you need to go and meet them where they are, how they're talking, speak the way that they're speaking and mirror them and pace alongside them. And then ultimately when you're doing that, you're going to be like locked in neurologically, and then you can start to lead 
And if you did everything correctly, they're going to follow you. It was like super weird. Right. And so we did through this, we went through this exercise where he was, I was like, what's that? I don't understand what that is. And so he starts talking and he starts mimicking my movements. And then he leans back in his chair and I leaned back in my chair at the exact same moment. And he was like, got you. <laughs> well, you have the luxury it. of sight. Yeah, and well, right. Thing. We don't that's have that on the phone, but that's exactly. just an example. Like he was miming my movements and then he leaned back in his chair and I leaned right back in my chair, like completely subconsciously. He controlled it. He controlled that situation through this matching and mirroring process. So, so kind of coming back to, you know, full circle to what you were talking about there, kind of pick us up from there. Sure. John. And let me, let me slow down for a bit. And I apologize. I'm always on the assumption that people know where I'm going with this. Let's just assume that is- nobody knows anything about what you're talking about. It's like fifth grade level. And, and then that way everybody can get the big idea. When you first meet somebody, you should be courteous. You're calling into their environment. And so instead of, I always believe that just by saying their name or the name of the company, it gives you a chance just by showing familiarity to where you're calling. And it's a certain way to start by having this gatekeeper assist you to transfer the call or to give you the company information. That's an excellent chance to bridge who this individual is prior to speaking to the decision maker, which just makes you sound good. So this technique that you're discussing, and I do agree with this, but mind you, this is without sight that just for argument's sake, because you've been on the phone with me, you can put me at about an eight in regards to speed and an eight in regards to pitch. We do this every 30 seconds to two minutes because that's the usual attention span. You could do it, I don't know, maybe 20 times on a 40 minute conversation or 10 times in a 20 minute. So it just gives you checkpoints because sometimes you could be happy in the beginning of the call, angry at the end, and it it can change like a boxing match. Why do we do this? Because I believe not only are people speaking, sorry for the thing here, that people are speaking in regards to their rate and their pitch, but the real tell sign, Josh, is the answering speed. That's something they can't do subconsciously. You can control your tone, your rate, and your pitch, but how you answer somebody is actually more of a tell sign. When do we do this? For entry-level telemarketers, it's usually for you to ask a tie-down question, to ask if it makes sense sounds good right or it's a typical time to do a confirmation question for my clarification josh was it abc or one two three thank you because a lot of the times you could leave the door open sometimes on a phone call someone will ask you a question and a technique i have it's called the buffer boomerang technique check this thing out so so so, uh, let's talk about answering speed what does what does that mean though when you say answering speed how how quickly they respond to you and then you're able to gauge that there's four ways to gauge it it's tone rate pitch and duration your Mm -hmm. tone is your confidence and empathy on my end your mirror imaging is to match their rate and their pitch because if they deviate from that that shows that they're not speaking consistently and that can be done in any language and that could be done subconsciously you're just listening to them But still, the insurance on that to ensure that they are consistent is their answering speed, how long it takes them to respond to you. And a lot of the times people will go on runs and they'll over talk, they'll cross talk, they'll interrupt. That's my fault because of the timing. And And a lot of times. Does that point to uh, uh, something that you should uh, be aware of? Like if somebody starts talking too much, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, I run into situations sometimes where I get on a call. We know that this is a call about potentially doing business together. 
And one of the first questions that I'm asking are, what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now with XYZ business? And then they go back and they're like, well, when I was six years old and, uh, you know, my mom and, and, and like, they're just telling their whole life story. And I'm like, dude, I didn't ask you about that. I asked you, what are your challenges with your business? But they go way back and all the way around it. And they never actually answer the question. Is you that rabbit hold? That's what happened. That's right. And a lot of the times what you need to do sometimes is to find the me too technique, which I know you're familiar with. So he's talking about certain things you listen to up to maybe 30 seconds because you don't want to be aggressive. You don't want to be passive. You want to be assertive. And the moment that they give you a certain trigger word where you can get yourself in by repeating what they said, oh, yes, I love dogs, too. And so, by the way, or there might be a chance where you could limit them with what they're saying, where you repeat, oh, so you said five years ago, oh, one, two, three, the color blue, which puts it to bed, but you can still put these things that could potentially be used later. It's a straight line theory. It allows you to use a Me Too technique to bring them back again, to confirm it and to move forward. It can be done multiple times. Once again, you're looking at the boundaries of the call. This is a first time phone call, Josh, and you're meeting this individual. The fact that they're not hanging up on you, they're disclosing things with you. I think that's wonderful, but you also need to woo way. You can't have some serious resistance. You need to actually guide this call. So there is... When I say the forms of manipulation, as I say, there's certain ways that you can interject. There's certain ways to tie down a question or to mention that we would be discussing this later and letting you know you're excited about this. There's certain times you could almost go forward and recap rake what you did. So you're double checking as you go along. It depends on how this guy wants to make his call. He might, he might want to be reassured or someone might want to assume that you know exactly what you're talking about. So I believe active listening with confirmations are great. Check this out. What happens when there is a dog barking in the background or noise in the background? I always believe that inadvertently and passive aggressively, I can tell them how much I love dogs, but the salesmen and saleswomen never ask the follow-up question. What's the dog's name? They always just move on to the next question. That's, so a, that's, of- a, that's a really important, subtle, like that's like a second level, second layer kind of point. Gosh, people are prints. They're not paintings. They become too commercialized. They're too well rehearsed. They know their rebuttals. They're artists. They're phenomenal, but they're not grounded. They're way too high. They're way too good. It's one of those things where uh, sometimes if you're just, if you are an empathetic person and, and you keep yourself in check and remember that everybody you're talking to is a human being and business is done between two human beings, not with robots or computers or strategies or the next best gadget or whatever it's just two human beings two people talking on the phone usually and it comes down to like i've run into many situations personal and professional and this is the best reference that i can give you for what you just brought up uh somebody will tell me um you know oh i'm sorry i can't make it you know i I met some girl one time we were gonna go on a date and i can't i can't make it and you know i'm sorry my i'm in california my my uncle passed away Mm -hmm. man what do you do? What do you do? Like when that happened, what, what do you do? Like, it doesn't affect me, but I'm like, I feel bad for this person. And, and so I always ask, what was their name? You know? And it's, it's, a, it's such a simple thing because you are, you are humanizing this traumatic event. His name was Joe. That's right. Keep Joe in my thoughts. If you're a religious person, you know, I'll keep Joe in my thoughts and prayers or whatever. But just that, that simple act of 
I want to understand this person had an identity. This person meant something to you. What was their name? I want to know what their name was. Uh, and, and in the most polite way, obviously understanding it's a sensitive situation, but, but just that's a human thing. I gain nothing from that professionally or whatever, but I'm, I'm letting them know that I see them as a human and I'm also a human and I care, even though I might be only caring for a minute, but at least I'm caring. Just ask the question, be that, take that next level, ask that next, that next deeper thing. Strangers or friends you haven't met yet, Josh. (laughs) And instead of doing these emails, chats and template stuff where it's very informal, by being on the phone with somebody, you have a chance to do an upsell to get a referral to build that relationship and say what you want. The best relationships are made when people go through tough times together, even if it's discussing something difficult. And a lot of people would prefer to speak with a complete stranger than speaking with their family or best friend. They can get it out. Hmm. I usually give the most points on a call. And I think this will make sense to you and your audience. It's not being slick and clever and getting the deal. That's not it. It's if the client says your name in the body of the call, not the introduction or the conclusion. But if you made such a strong impression with somebody, you've anchored it. You're stuck there. You got it good. And when they say your name, you can make that mistake. As you say, you can repeat your information. You can clarify things because you got it. You have that connection. And so if anybody who's making phone calls, I think instead of memorizing your stuff to death and being stiff, If you do what Josh and I do is just to ask that follow-up question and to do that active listening, as you say, show empathy and compassion and really show sincerity, your calls are going to be phenomenal and you'll feel much better about yourself because the natural you comes out. You will be in character. The moment you try to be like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross boiler room, it's not for everybody. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and that's and and yeah so so many amazing points that you're bringing up here uh you know i've i've been in uh names are important names matter for that exact same reason i was saying earlier like people want to be called by their name use the name and make sure that your name is just as important as their name uh i've been uh i'm surrounded i'm actually also uh bilingual i also speak spanish um, so, uh, and I spent some time in Costa Rica. I'm surrounded by Latinos cool. and all the time. And a lot of them who live in the U S uh, their name is difficult to pronounce to any regular American person. And so they come up with a nickname or they just say, Oh, just call me this. Just call me that. Well, no. What do you prefer to be called? What's your actual name? Because I've, I've always believed there needs to be at least one person on this planet calls you by your real name. You know, and uh, and so I'll ask and I'll take the time to make sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, because it's important to me that, you know, that I see you that that you're worth pronouncing your name correctly. I have a uh, a friend who was actually a previous guest on this podcast. His name is Steve Apodaca. Daca. Uh, Apodaca. Apodaca. Apodaca with a P. Oh, Apodaca. Yeah, right. See, so it takes a little bit of practice, right? And so Both most times a charm. Most what people, a cool last name. Cool. Yeah, ass. most people will struggle with that, and they're like, "I'm just going to call you Steve Avocado," and and it's like, "No, dude, you're missing the point. Like, that's his name. That's the only thing that he has had with him his entire life. You got to call people by their name." I interviewed a guy on. Uh, I had a 
I had a tech podcast like years ago. I don't okay. like to talk about it too much, but I interviewed this guy from Poland um, and it was his partner or something that showed up. And so the guy that showed up, his name was Lucas, but in, but in Poland, you would pronounce that Wukash, like with a W. Wukash. Oh. All right. All right. I got Wukash. And then his friend showed up and I'm like, well, I don't have his name. Can you type your name in? I want to make sure I say it correctly. And it, it literally looked like, like a cat walked across the keyboard. You know, I was like, what is that? <laughs> he said, oh, just pronounce some random consonants. It'll be fine. Sure. And I'm like, no, dude, we're going to practice this. And we're going to get it right. And, uh, and so I, I got it right. And his name was Shemizlov Budashevsky. And, and then I saw him at a conference. I know you don't even like when you look at it, it's just like P's and Z's, you know, it's like, it doesn't whatever. And then I saw him a month later at a conference and I saw his name on the name tag. And I looked at him, I was like, Shemizlov. And he was like, what? (laughs) I was like the only person in the entire conference of 1500 people that could pronounce his dang name because I took five seconds to try and it mattered. It made a difference. And that's, and that's where, that's really what you're getting at is if you can be a human being and see everybody else as human beings, you don't have to be all that good. You just have to be a real person. No, but you will be good. They'll love you to death. Here's the skinny as well. You could overkill the name. I believe in a five to one pronoun to name drop. Names I think are excellent for tie down questions, transitional sentences and confirmations. But there is usually a your or an R in one of the sentences, especially the your. I consider that a trigger word that should be extended by like a quarter second slide just to give it emphasis and rebalance and resetting in the middle of the sentence and, and conversation. And once again, it brings them back in. So you can bring them left and right in the conversation with the pronouns to still keep it moving forward because you're going to lose their attention. And so that's why, as you say, the name drop so important, but you could overkill it. So that's why pronouns are important. Pausing is important to see if they react to something. If their answering speed is off, you clarify it again to ensure you, you never say, I'm sorry, or excuse me. It's for my clarification. You fall on those certain swords. And those are the sort of simple skills that I believe that could give you certain controls to reduce your time. But Richard, it's a 10 minute phone call. Yeah, but it could be a 20 minute if you have to repeat yourself or you have to call them back. I'd rather have insurance policies of tie down questions and confirmations every now and again, Josh, just to make sure somebody's with me. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, Richard, first, first and foremost, this is, this is a fascinating clinic on how to really understand a conversation and how to navigate it. And uh, I got to tell you, you got a, you got a good looking nog in there. And so I want to bust it open and get into the do. Hold on, before you go, I got to show you one thing. I'm sorry to your audience. I have a technique here. Well, called my audience bubble. can't actually see that. So we'll have to describe it. Oh, excuse me. Audio, it's an audio podcast. Oh, even wonderful. I have a buffer boomerang technique. It's usually when somebody asks you a question, a lot of the times people will immediately answer, especially if they ask you in like a negative two or negative three way, like, who are you? What's the name of your company? A lot of the times I will tell people initially to say, Josh, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. So I can soften it. I can half moon it, bring it back around again. I can then move it forward in a certain positive way. And that happens all the time. There are buffer boomerangs from a minus one to a minus three on the way people are speaking with you. And so the best thing for you to do is to confirm the question that they have, throw a name drop in, and then answer their question. 
So it shows active listening. There's no repeat a second time. And as I say before, there's a chance you could reset the call into a certain way to where it becomes more positive. And as I say, these are the sort of soft skill structures that your audience can have to reduce any sort of conflict management that they would have with anyone they're speaking. Yeah, well said. Buffer boomerang. I haven't heard it said that way, but I but I get it. So Famous. <laughs> yeah. And so you said when you said minus one, minus two, it's like they they give you two to you know, one, two, three points of resistance. Yes, that's it. And if they're giving you a minus one, that's an excellent question, Josh. Oh, glad you asked. My name is, and the third one, you know what, Josh? A lot of people ask me that. You're going to love this answer. Come on. If you're giving me minus three, I got to plus three you to at least even it out. Right. And then yeah. eventually you'll calm down a little bit and let me keep talking. And so <laughs> I, I think a buffer boomerang is a great way for someone so they don't hedge and say, okay, um, ah. Uh, a lot of the times when they're repeating information back with somebody, I suggest military alphabet because I should have said P for Papa because I was thinking what it was B for Bravo. So I made that mistake in regards to your friend's last name. And so once again, these are things, my friend, that will give people much more effective communication and conversations. It will reduce their talk time because there's lack of repeating or interruptions And their conversion ratios are going to be through the roof because as you say, Josh, the name, the empathy, the relationship building, the last thing you and I are ever going to do is to teach your audience how to lie. We are not going to compromise their ethics, values, and morals. But my goodness, there's no reason why you can't be a little more attentive and you can't be more strategic. I'll give you a final example and then crack my skull. I believe that in the thesaurus, I believe in similes. If you say the word help, you could completely open up a rabbit hole. My suggestion in this specific order would be assist, guide, and then lend a hand. Those are just the three simple suggestions in regards to choosing much better and more diplomatic vocabulary so people are less offended and feel much more comfortable with you. Got it. Yeah, makes sense, man. You're you're like an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. And and, uh, you starting from that one seat, 50 hours and growing into uh, what you have with your business. Now, I know that that has taken a lot of dedication and I know that that has taken a lot of hard work. You made a bunch of mistakes, but somehow you stayed focused on this. And Richard, tell me what's one thing that you do that helps keep you focused on those goals. I have me time, me time. I work out every day for about two hours before coming to the office. I like to drive to work in a convertible. That's me time. And on Sundays, I like to do a pinball marathon. I have the largest collection of American pinball in Costa Rica. So I, Sundays are pinball days. Why do I do this? Because after 20 minutes of decompressed stimulation, I'm able to think. I just can't sit there and think of my goals. No, the things that I enjoy doing were done because of the goals that I achieved. And so when I'm able to take any sort of distractions aside, and really find my balance and my center during these periods of time throughout my day of chaos, I'm able to refocus again and see where my priorities are. I like to sleep on things and calm down because if I have an impulse control because I'm from Philadelphia, I might just start yelling, but I'd rather not do that. I'd like to take a step back, potentially understand your position and your ideas, calm down a little bit, and then come back to you with more of a level head. And so those are the things that I've done to at least 
maintain the sort of relationships that I have and the sort of reputation that I have because I'm never looking to fire anybody. There's more of a natural attrition than a forced attrition. We invest in these people, but my, I will always give people two or three chances to see if they're capable of doing this. And I'm only as good as the people that work here. So if people start leaving and not producing, it affects me. So as I walk the rows, as I stop and listen to the agents, as I make suggestions or give a thumbs up and a high five, that stuff goes back because my individual agents that are successful, then they will spread that energy with the others and become good side-by-side trainers and stuff. So it's collective, my friend. I, I believe the best way to answer that is synergy. My goals are other people's goals. My goals are feeding families. My goals are giving them stability. So their goals need to be achieved in order for me to achieve my goals. Now, I I don't know all of their goals, but our mutual goals is to be successful in this call center environment and to share energy. So in a roundabout way, my friend, that's kind of how it comes together. And and so how do you get back on track when inevitably you, you lose that focus occasionally? Well, that's very simple. I realized the structure that I had that got me there because obviously if I'm doing something differently that got me initially successful, I become complacent, I become lazy, I become distracted or unfocused. The smartest way I could look at something is in a non-biased neutral way where I don't put any emotion into it because if I put too much emotion into it, I'll make some very clouded decisions. I almost seem desperate at times, but if I can look at things rationally and logically, and take a step outward and backwards and potentially I can make the best decision for myself. Yeah. That's why yeah. when you grow up with age, you get, as you say, these battle scars as you did in your initial podcast and you wear these scars with pride, my friend, because that's how you got better. That's right. And, and so you're, you're an American guy living in central America uh, or a United States citizen living in Central America, rather. There's a bunch of expatriates there, but not a whole lot of people running call centers and being entrepreneurs. What, who is your support group, Richard, and how do they keep you accountable? My support group is my wife down here, is my business partner, my agents that I have, my supervisors, and my very good friends that I've built in the last 20 years. As I say before, I'm in a luxury trade. It's a one in a million shot what happened to me. I shouldn't really be here. I have no, it's kind of difficult to explain how you get here, but I'm here. And so what it is, is more just a positive reinforcement of what I did yesterday and what I'm planning on doing tomorrow. And if I can enjoy my now, my moment with you, Josh, your amazing audience, it's a shame they can't see me because I wore an Armani for you today, but um, (laughs) you know, I, I'm so grateful of where I am. I'm so humble for where I am. In regards to success in business, sure. I mean, you could judge somebody by how much finances they have, but I kind of judge myself more on the adventure. And as you say, building something from nothing. And the fact that I've been embraced in this country where I've learned their culture, their language, and their it's been a very, very positive experience. And so that's why it continued. The moment that I realized that this was not the environment for me, I definitely would have gone home. But as I say before, learning the second language, being embraced by this culture and doing something that I love to do, which is increasing someone's language skills and giving them an excellent living. It actually pays more than most vocations. Josh, you're not going to believe this. 
HP, Intel, Amazon, and Oracle are in Costa Rica. Some of these jobs pay more than lawyers and doctors. And so you have these exceptionally skilled individuals here that are able to scale campaigns, that pack a punch on the world stage. You've been here before. You loved it. It's, I'm very fortunate to be living in paradise. And so I, I almost count my blessings every day. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've been through, uh, you've been through this particular thing so many times, uh, but just in, just in a few words really quickly, how do you approach a, a difficult project, Richard, that you're not really sure how to complete? If it's a personal project, then I'm going to be asking a lot of opinions. If it's a client then I'm going to have to sit down and we're going to have to be very clear about where we're going. If, if I may, if let's say it's with a client, for an example, and they're asking me unrealistic expectations, I go with the SMART model. Is it specific, measurable, agreed upon, realistic, and time frame oriented? As much as you ask me to do something, I'm an expert in my field. I can't hire 15 people for you from today to tomorrow and put the ads out and interview them and call their references. It just doesn't happen that way. And there are certain metrics that people try to reverse psychology me in to try to get certain amount per hour but it might not make sense with the talk time, the wrap up time, the CRM and the sort of contact ratio. So I want you to motivate me, but I need for you to be forthright with me. So at least we can have certain conversations. Difficult projects for me are not difficult. It's just a matter of uncovering areas in which I might need to clarify certain things or let them know the extent of my resources and infrastructure. Got it. And, and what would you say, Richard, is the number one pro tip that you'd give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time? Well, I definitely believe that they need to have some sort of system. And I think the best system you could have is old school system. Forget typing something in, grab an old school piece of paper and write it down and keep these things with you. Keep it in your pocket. It's, I know it's common sense and people have said this a thousand times, but there are certain goals that I have like this podcast I reminded myself with a sticky note that I wrote myself to me it had a little bit more magic to it more power to it I put something to it I keep looking at it it's almost like a boxer getting ready for their rounds you know and so you can embrace that sort of stuff I believe I believe in metaphysics prove me wrong prove me wrong that if you write something down that if you put it in your pocket if you touch it, if you look at it and you keep it and you think about it different ways, that it doesn't prepare you more. So unless you can tell me that this sort of metaphysics does not exist, I believe in doing certain sort of spiritual or traditional or some sort of stuff that you could do that could be superstitious to get you in the right mindset. And my thing here was to say everybody's name and to walk my rows and to dress for people every day. And to do certain self-respecting things where I treat myself well in regards to my health and my mind and the fact that you call your family and you tell them how much you love them. You don't forget your friends. And so business is one thing, but if you are not mentally there and at your best game, what sort of business are you doing? You're just going to be a C-minus player. So it's really a a self-preparation prior to be able to give it to other people or to be able to build upon yourself. These are individual uh, forced marches, Josh. And it's very difficult for me to explain what people go through in their own minds. They've grown up differently. But this is what I know on my end. I'm accountable for what I do. And I believe in what I do. And I know that my intentions are honorable. 
And I know that what I'm doing is something done with good faith. And I also know that what I'm doing for a living, I can tell my great grandfather what I do and he would have been proud. And so if I can look at myself in the mirror every day and see those eyes and look back at myself and realize that I have not lost any self-respect, that every day I got a little bit better, I'm cool with that. And that's all right. And I can live with that. And I, I hope that made some sort of sense. Sometimes when you get deep in philosophy, you, you kind of lose a certain train of thought, but yeah. my good friends out there listening, listen to my passion. Do not give up. You believe in yourself. You do it every day. If it takes working part-time because you have a full-time job, practice it on the side. Is it weekend work? Is it evening work? Do you need a mentor? I mean, these are certain things where if you, you could sometimes volunteer your time just for the practice of it. And by doing so, as you say, you get better. And so as long as you're proactive, as long as you find things every day that is new where you can build upon and be prepared to be laughed at, prepared to be joked and criticized and critiqued and good. How much more do you want to critique me? What else are you going to say? Because it only motivates me that I'm doing the right thing. I'm not robbing banks. I'm just trying to make myself better. And a lot of the times, as I mentioned before, these are individuals that haven't experienced it yet. So maybe it's your, it's your position to educate them on it. And then eventually one day you'll be vindicated. They'll come around and tell you that you're right all along. And, but, and to a certain extent, that doesn't even really matter. Whether no, not really. Or not, because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. A hundred percent. Or your children or other people that you care about that rely upon you. That's right. But you'll never be your best unless you try. That's right. It's okay to keep an easy life and to keep things that are stable and secure. But risk is done. Uh, you, you ask someone to marry you. You're the happiest person in the world. Look what you've done in your career. And you've heard about my career. And if I never took these long shot risks, I would have never known my potential. And once again, these are things that can change your life. It just takes one second, Josh, for your world to change. That's right. And uh, you, you have been a fountain of knowledge uh, for how to control calls and how to handle certain situations. And, you know, I've, I've always believed uh, as, as salespeople, as consultants, as, as business people, you know, a lot of what we do has a lot more to do with psychology and therapy than really sales or anything else like that. Um, right. So uh, I, I love the concept of micro expression reading, just to kind of summarize what you shared that we are every uh, we have 30 to second to two minute conversations that are just stacking on top of each other. Each of them has an intro, a body and a conclusion. And you just stack as many of those as you need to get through it. Uh, and I, it's just, just so many great points of, of uh, reflection because you've undoubtedly pushed through hundreds of thousands of hours of conversations through your call center. Now, just as we're wrapping up here, we have a decent audience of business owners and entrepreneurs who is the best fit to reach out to you uh, for your services or just to engage with you personally? And where can they contact you? Well, the way they can contact me is buying a plane ticket and flying down and visiting me. But if they'd like to call me first, you can call me at 888-271-6750. My email address is CEO at Costa Rica's call center.com. I recommend going to my Facebook page. I got about 97,000 Costa Ricans on there. So you really get a pulse on the call center industry in Costa Rica, plus other fun stuff. 
Um, but that's, you know, I, I do appreciate the time spent with you today. And, and you do get an A from my class. You repeated some excellent things. And I know it's audio today. I was showing you visuals and you couldn't see it. So um, I'll definitely be able to describe to people. But my ideal audience are for anybody that would like to make phone calls with good intentions, somebody that has internal business structures and they just want to talk about, um, you know, they might be able to promote from within. They might be able to... Uh, give out other sort of responsibilities to people so they can scale and grow. Maybe if there is some sort of conflict, we can discuss certain things in regards to vocabulary and structure, but if they're looking to hire a call center. Mind you this, I would prefer that they call me for merit, not for price. I can rec recommend 10 call centers that'll do it for half my cost. And if you want to go there, we, we can have those conversations, but sure. If you're willing to put that aside and ask me pound for pound merit phone calls or just kick some tires and ask some pre-consulting advice in regards to your structure, I'll sign an NDA. If you want to send me a script, I'll give you advice on, on how people are bitching. Mm -hmm. That's my thing. I'm not selling anything. Put your checkbook away. I don't need the account. I'm doing just fine. Yeah. If, if it I, makes from sense an for us to do business, there's a value exchanged for that. But yeah, I get it. Hey Josh, I'm not forcing anyone's hand from an educated point of view. I want them to make a decision. I want to be able to answer all of their questions, give you some value, share some ideas, have them like me. And then uh, next thing you know, we jump on a second phone call. I'm not a cold call closer. Unless someone has a sense of urgency, I'd prefer that you call my references and read about me. Why don't we do a second phone call where I can introduce you to my floor supervisor and chief technical officer and send you what a pre-launch checklist looks like just to see what it looks like to onboard. Or maybe you're just telling me that you're manual dialing and I can tell you to use predictive dialing and explain to you contact ratios. Um, I don't expect any business. I look to earn the business. And as I say before, we're not the most expensive, but I'm not the cheapest. We're in Central America. Costa Rica packs a punch. That's but if right. somebody is looking for a, a partner or somebody to guide them or somebody to, at least, as you say, work smarter so they have more quality phone calls and larger conversion ratios, you can just call or maybe read some of the articles that we wrote and stuff like that. It's um, just keep an open mind. It's not like the movies. I mean, some parts are when people are closing deals and high-fiving, but sometimes the call center industry has a bad reputation. Sometimes boiler rooms or telemarketers have bad reputations. Well, just like this sort of skill that we have, it could be used for good, it could be used for evil. And I prefer that these are things where we can guide clients to certain sort of resolutions. I'll give you an example. I, I work with a law firm. And so we are making and receiving calls that people were wrongfully terminated in disability. We're assisting people. Another campaign I have is inbound support for movies and music. We've had them for 10 years, like, like Columbia House. So you have these 55 plus female demographics that get these big phone books a couple times a year so they can scroll through and call up and order Elvis Presley, which is so much fun. They love their job. They can go home and tell their parents what they do for a living Josh. So my attrition is low because the agents here feel fulfilled. And so, as I say, conversations with people come in many shapes and sizes. There's no reason why you and I cannot use this structure of etiquette, of using names and pronouns, of confirmations and tie downs. 
to be successful. Yep. And um, I think that's pretty much my, my final thought for your amazing crew today. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. We're going to, we're going to wrap up Richard blank uh, Costa Rica's call center.com uh, to oh, learn yeah. more and engage with him. And uh, you can connect with him directly. He gave a, gave a phone number here earlier, so you can scroll back and get that. And we'll, we'll put it in the show notes if we can, uh, we can get it there and email address as well. So if you're a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level, head over to the dozone.com for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at the Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into the Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? Go do something already. See you next time.